0: Hey, it's Chase from On the Table Gaming, and welcome back to the On the Table Gaming podcast. Special thanks to all of our Patreon supporters who make all of this possible. And today we're going to be talking about the Visions in the Flames, Article 14, covering House Lannister. We're joined by Simon, game designer, Michael Chennault, and lead game developer, Fabio Curry. And so without further ado, let's get into it. And Fabio and Michael, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. It's great to be back here, Chase. I'm eager to talk about Lannisters this week. And before we get to jump into that, let's talk about some Starks from last week. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in their painted images. Michael, was there one that caught your eye?
1: Two of them that jumped to my uh, mind here when I was going over these were actually both by Grant Stacy. One, his Serio. just because I'm a big fan of Serio as a character, I love the model, and that was a good paint job. And then directly underneath that, he has a Sansa standing next to a um, what I can only assume. Is a lady memorial tree so that's the other one that caught my attention there and if that's not the case and he didn't intend that that's now the head cannon so that's 100 <laughs> what that has to be so grant stacy if you are listening that's permanently how that is now so just understand that you have a, a sense model that has a lady underneath that base obviously it is known <laughs> <laughs> uh fabio how about you
2: okay um i'm actually gonna go with two Pictures here. First of all, kudos to Grant Stacy again um, for having uh, the brand miniature that you can detach from the hodor, or it serves as a counter. I think I thought that was really creative for when you use the hodor ability. And I also need to comment on Dean Rothwell's Stark Bowman. Not only did I really enjoy the gray and white, that's usually very difficult, but um, the amazing job he did on on the basing, right, with the 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 barrels with the bows and the Lannister uh, practice dummy. That's just amazing. That's very creative.
1: Yeah, so there's nice little touches that, you know, you just they add really good flavor to the unit, but they don't overpower it. Like so you'll see on some bases. So I think with, when it comes to like, basing the trays, you have to do like full all out diorama or just use very sparing, you know, li- these little accents. It was Sheng Lin that had the Tully Cavaliers. Those look absolutely fantastic.
0: The blues and reds are just just like perfect. The tones on them and the base there as well. It's like got just some subtle rocks and bushes, but it really, really stands out. Absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, there you've got like the really nice like contrast with the, uh, the trays versus the miniatures. And plus the Tully miniatures are some of my absolute favorite. I love the color scheme that he's done with the really vibrant reds and the kind of toned down blues.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, the painting is magnificent. And also his photography skills are also impressive, right? So you look at it and this could be in, you know, in a box art or something. It's really amazing. Absolutely.
0: But you know what? That's, uh, that's how Stark. That's last week's news. We get to look forward to talking about the Lannisters now. So let's jump in and take a look at what was recently revealed in the Visions of the Flames. But before we talk about the Lannisters and their faction identity, now this is another faction that is as old as the game itself. So when you sat down and you started with your alpha cards, how did uh, you originally come about the idea for House Lannister? What was the idea behind this faction?
1: Well, when it comes to Lannisters, I mean, I think that you can describe a Lannister player, even if you've never played this game before. I mean, they're your sneaky, tricksy sons of bitches. (laughs) Can I can I swear on this? Podcast? I might be, I might blurb that out a little bit. I'll we'll see. <laughs> and now it's just a long string of just swears out there. I see how this is going to go. <laughs> this I'll is a family swear... friendly
0: podcast. We got. <laughs>
1: have you have you read the books, Chase? Uh,
0: oh, anyway, yeah. very friendly families with the Lannisters, but we'll continue on. <laughs> a, little, a little
1: too friendly with the family, right? Okay. Wow. All right. We got that out of the way. Woo. Y'all need the seven anyway. Uh, so. <laughs> A Lannister player, you're playing this faction if you just like messing with your opponents. I mean, you know, the characters you you already have that visual in your head of just oppression, cunning and power. And that's what you have here. And that was the intent behind the faction was like, if you want to be the manipulative guy who is just always has some trick up their sleeve. This is your faction.
0: And, uh, you know, these were, you know, I remember first when we first opened the starter set, my buddy Josh, you got a Starks out. I got the Lannister half. We sat down to play a game and and the the fun of just being able to be like, nope. And like you're getting hit and being like, all right, take a panic test. You hit my guardsman there. There's a certain sort of a diabolicalness that you get to experience while, while playing the faction itself.
1: Chase, I'm sorry, but I still view you as just too nice a guy where I see you doing all these nasty tricks but just like constantly apologizing as you're I, doing I, it.
0: You got to feel a little bit bad here, right? Actually, I wanted to play, Josh, if you're listening to this now, I really wanted to play Stark because they're the good guys. But I, I was like, you know what? You could, you could take that half. We'll, we'll go with the other way here. And, you know, I, I sort, of, sort of started to fall in love with uh, uh, Lannisters a little bit. Uh, you know, the, 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 the faction I did was really kind of cool and compelling, and it was a chance for me to step outside of my, my typical track here. Since the Kickstarter, the Lannister faction has grown considerably. And so what do you see the faction identity being now in the 2021 version? And how does that manifest in these updated Tactus cards? Well, let's say the Lannisters are the mean sons of a bitches,
2: right? Like, just as Michael said. Um, how many I times think are that- going to make me bleep in this episode?
0: <laughs> <We're gonna> <laughs> <see>.
1: <laughs> the floodgates are open now, so now no, it's just going to be nonstop swearing. There, there we go. <laughs> Parental advisory at the start of this episode.
2: But honestly, I don't think their play style changed much, right? They're still focused on not allowing your opponent to execute their plan, right? So by hindering your opponent, you're getting an upper hand. I think that still keeps true to everything in, in the changes we made. And once again, I think this is reinforced now since we, we have a better grasp of how control plays out in this game. The the faction that is uh, mostly centered around control, both mechanically and thematically, has now been uh, polished, let's say. So they haven't been tweaked and more have been polished.
1: I would really have to say that probably out of all of the faction changes, Lancers have probably experienced the least, like in in the grand scope of things. I mean, you know, like in some cases we reevaluate like the tactics decks, like the Baratheons, the Targaryens. In some cases, it was some, you know, key unit balances, such as, like, Night's Watch and, like, the Starks. But overall, I I guess when it comes to Lannisters, their NCUs kind of receive the, the most amount of, like, attention, I would say. But overall, like, the, I would say that they probably experienced the least just raw number of, like, tweaks and changes, because even their combat units and stats were, for the most part, like, in the range we wanted to see them in. Uh, so, you know, that's that's kind of how I view them. Like they were in a good spot before they were kind of like, I don't want to say they were the example faction of where you'd want to see things kind of balance out because everything shifted in some direction. But I will say that Lannisters were probably the easiest when we were shifting from, you know, 1.6 to the 2021 updates. I mean, most of it just worked.
0: And we did see that some of the cards get removed out like wealth of the rock and we see cards like bribery being added in, but those, although they function maybe differently, They really do stick with like that thematic flavor of the faction.
1: Yeah, there were a couple of changes to their baseline tactics deck, such as Wealth of the Rock being this random defense card that they had. And we talked about this in the previous uh, Visions and Flames article when we showcased some of the tactics cards months back. So won't waste too much time on that today. But, you know, there were these these little aspects of just refocusing the faction into the levels that we want them to see, such as the elements of control. And, you know, removing just like, okay, wealth specifically was just, hey, here, have a random defense card. Okay, cool. That really didn't fit in with the Lannister themes. So instead, we replaced those kind of outlier cards with more of a focus on their elements of control on panic tests. And you can really see that through the the cards we have here. So, you know, they still have a lot of their previous stuff, Intrigue and subterfuge, counterplot, fealty to the crown. But now they just kind of have a more focused toolkit where because there was some reduction in panic, they have more ways to expand on that and more elements of control in there.
0: Absolutely. And you know, for the faction units that we've seen revealed, many of these we've already seen before. And obviously, in the article, you showed us a lot more NCUs to compensate for that. But of note, we do have the poor fellows here. And at four points, they are decoupled from the uh, the wealth zone. Now there's Zealous Resurgence, replacing reinforcements. Each time this unit activates, it may spend a Faith Token. If it does, it restores two wounds, plus one wound for each one of its destroyed ranks. So getting a little bit uh, more predictable healing off of there. And it's still got its Fanatical Zeal, where it can generate a Faith Token. So this time, now it starts with one. And is that kind of something we might see more common across units that have Tokens where you know you can actually just start the game with a token? Is there a particular like balance reason for doing that?
2: Uh, well, there's a whole faction called Greyjoys where they have pillage tokens, and they don't start with any. Uh, but um, specifically on these faith tokens, since you needed to uh, pass a morale test, and usually that implied in being attacked, we believe that it was interesting for them to begin the game already with the faith token, So they weren't completely passive to your opponent in being able to activate their faith mechanic.
1: They also had various methods to generate faith tokens um, technically before allowing your opponent to, such as the High Sparrow Commander, Mm -hmm. the old champion of the faith. But here, by just giving them the ability to start with one, you're basically going like, okay, they're so they're not as dependent of outside influences to just do what they want to do. So now, you know, you don't basically have to turn the engine on. They already start with a little bit of fuel here to really keep it revving and going and everything. Yes, that criteria has to be met, or you're gonna have to put them in situations where they can gain more. But now at least, you know, you're paying points for them. They get to at least start doing their cool thing. You don't have to go extra steps out of your way to, you know, get them to start doing what they're already doing. And that makes sense, I guess, right? It's it's a pretty quick
0: game as is. And so being able to get rid of the thick of things that really counts. Um, you know, one kind of concern is that as they kind of seem more of like an independent unit now, right? They're not as reliant on tactic zones or maybe other cards or characters um is there still like a a faith sort of uh synergy between those sorts of units that share that same kind of a uh, flavor
2: um, so yeah that's and that's an interesting question and i actually have to give you back another question of what is the value of synergy or why is synergy in a game right synergy doesn't mean that Two units or two pieces have to be taken together. It means that they might improve each other if they do. I I believe that them being a little bit more independent will allow them to be in more lists that are not specifically faith militant lists. And I think that's something that Lannister's players will appreciate, right, of having a unit that is more flexible in a way. And so once again, if you do put them with other faith militants, they will synergize, so they will perform a little bit better, but they
0: don't have to. That sounds like it's really going to open up list building a lot then, and maybe we'll be seeing them more in a, in a wider range of lists. That's fantastic. And then, you know, we're getting through those tactics cards and through these units relatively quickly here, but now we can get to the real, the real meat and potatoes here. We get to talk about the, the Lannister NCUs. And I think out of maybe any faction in the game, uh, the Lannisters are most well-known for their political characters. So, oh, this is like a really fun faction to get to explore with that. And it looks like you guys had a blast going through and polishing or reenvisioning some of these characters. But before we do that, uh, Fabio, we've got a, a little bit of a game here for you to uh, to enjoy and uh, participate in un- unwillingly. So, I, I hope you're ready.
1: Oh, okay. Let, let's yeah. have at it. <laughs> well, Fabio. I'm, I'm getting some soft flashbacks here. <laughs> So Fabio, welcome to Lucky Lannister,
0: the game show where you get to pick who the Lucky Lannister that Michael Chennault, game designer for A Song of Ice and Fire, ranks the highest and also, sadly then, who he might rank the lowest based on the personalities from the books. So here's the deal. You're going to have guesses here, a certain number of guesses yet to be determined. And you've got to guess who does Michael Chanel rank in, in what order of these NCUs as the one that he likes the most from the books. And then we'll work our way down and see, you know, which is the what's the, the highest priority and what's the lowest priority here. And as we do, we'll go through and talk about some of these NCU's and how they in, and kind of encapsulate some of that awesomeness, or just have cool mechanics for the game. And if you guess all five correctly, Michael Schenall said he will get you a a raise, a, 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 a buy you a new car, <laughs> a uh, promotion. He'll uh, switch places with your name on the box. What do we? What do
1: we <laughs> I'll let you take one thing off of Chase's desk.
0: What? Oh my god! <laughs> Luckily, it's pretty Spartan over here, so I'll be okay. But um, all right, so let's start actually, let's work our way from the bottom up here. So out of Tywin, Tyrion, Joffrey, and Cersei, as portrayed in the books, who do you think Michael might uh, uh, rank the lowest? And if you're wrong, I get to take something off your desk, right? Is that how that works or no? (laughs) Okay, I
2: guess. So when you say the lowest, I think you don't mean stature. And I'd say out of all these people and characters, maybe the one Michael likes the least, lore-wise, is Joffrey.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, Michael. Let's see. Let's pull back the curtain here. What do we have? It was Cersei.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry, Fabio. Yeah, that's one digit we remove here. No, that's not that word.
1: (laughs) Cersei Lannister. Finger on the table and bring the knife down. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is, this is getting scary here. Um, I thought Joffrey
2: was a
0: pretty safe bet. You know, no one <laughs> likes that. <laughs> they say no one likes Joffrey. Well, that was proven to be incorrect. We know at least <laughs> one person who maybe has them higher on their list.
1: See, there's a, there's a big difference between liking someone and thinking they're not the worst person on this list of characters. Doesn't mean I like Joffrey, because I don't, nor are you supposed to. The thing is, is that he is a direct result of his upbringing and the world that he is in. And most of that is going to be attributed to Cersei's fault.
0: Oh, I so, didn't know you were such a, such a softy here, Michael. If I'm ever in trouble, I will ask to have you on my jury. And I'll just say, like, listen,
1: it uh, wasn't my fault. fault. It <laughs> was society. <laughs> is in,
0: Dear Rappasar Krumke. No.
1: <laughs> that is in, in no way going to work out well for you, Chase. I am terribly sorry. <laughs> That's true,
0: actually. Now <laughs> that I think about that? Um is there so, some kind of
1: turbo prison we can send him oh, to? Oh no, what?
0: <laughs> like, oh man. Um all right, so Cersei Lannister then didn't uh, not necessarily your favorite character, sort of blaming him for Joffrey's upbringing.
1: And I wanna I wanted to say that is the only reason that she is ranked below Joffrey's because I think that Joffrey is overall a more villainous and despised a despisable character, but I can't also sit there and go like it's not like Who knows what it would have been if it wasn't the fact that his parents were Robert Baratheon and Cersei Lannister. And we've seen Cersei before,
0: and she went from her kind of uh, you know, crown bomb, crown zapping abilities, trying to like nuke a a unit on the table, to now being a little bit more of a versatile character, right? With order tokens that allow her to fish for cards that have been spent that are quite significant. Hear me roar and subjugation of power, pretty powerful cards, but a lot more versatility in the twenty twenty one update.
1: So I I actually remember when we were making the uh, doing our revamps and everything and talking about ooh, when we came to evaluate Cersei, we came to the talk about like, OK, do we do we need to modify her, do we need to change her? And she actually changed very late in the cycle. And it was actually not as a result of like her ability being too powerful or anything like that. It was the fact that it kind of treaded a lot of ground. The Lancers already covered a lot of. They already had so many effects that could modify morale. Uh, and modify that in different ways you had attachments already you had tactics cards and so she was already just kind of compounding more of what the faction already did which in itself is not a problem it's just that well they already had so many of those tools they really didn't need one more generic one in the form of an ncu so we started looking at like well how can we make her a little bit more interesting and so here um she kind of still has that effect kind of built in with the ability to fish out, hear me roar. Not really the same as her old ability, but close enough. But now she can also summon out subjugation of power. And noting here, by the way, that uh, these effects are not independent of each other. So if she claims a zone and you can and you control both crown and the wealth zone, you get both of these cards. I think that's something that oh. you know, should be pointed out, because I feel that's going to be a little
0: Oh my so, gosh, that's terrifying!
1: Right. So if you set up your plays here and invest a little bit more, you know, effort into your resources, also maybe Team Murph Joffrey, which I'm sure we'll get to, then you can, you know, get the additional benefits here for your your forward thinking and planning.
0: All right, Fabi, how you feeling? So we got three choices here. Uh, this is kind of like a like a reverse couples game where it's like how well do you know your uh, coworker here? <laughs> um, out of the three remaining, who do you feel like Michael may have ranked lowest? uh is it tywin is it joffrey or is it Tyrion? okay so i i think i'm
2: gonna get this right uh, it right this time right i believe it's joffrey now otherwise i might have to reevaluate my position in the company and who my boss is <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well let's look behind this curtain and we see it is in fact joffrey all right and let's talk a little bit how Joffrey was uh, re-envisioned as this NCU here, with now this ability Might of the Iron Throne. Fabio, what's the uh, what was the thought behind uh, this re- redesign? He still has that kind of drawback, right?
2: Exactly, so uh, beforehand Joffrey, he already had a very, very similar effect, but in this, uh, by doing these changes, we're not punishing him for taking the crown as a start because if he does take the crown, he's already losing his one of his most powerful effects, which he's, he counts as controlling the crown. So there was no reason for him to be punished. Secondly, we've added an influence effect, right? That is pretty interesting. So when he's influencing an enemy unit, that unit suffers plus one wound from failing panic tests. So this is, uh, what makes this interesting is that he actually kind of looks like old Cersei in a way, Um, that you can now Joffrey zap someone using his influence and and with a little bit of luck. But at the same time, he's also offering you the offensive edge of panic where you're not really uh, affecting modifiers, but affecting the damage result in the end. So you need to use Cersei's hear me roar or something like that to to make the opponent actually fail the test. But once that is done, he's inflicting that extra
0: sadistic wound, you know? Yeah, so he's just kind of learned from his, uh, his old mom and uh, now you can joff bomb somebody. Interesting, okay. And he's still at four points too. So both Cersei and uh, Joffrey remaining at four points in the 2021 update. Those would be uh, a little bit more comfortable in people's lists that were familiar with those, those point values. And that leads us down to the moment of truth here. You've got a 50-50 chance here. To correctly guess who Michael has ranked as the the top Lannister character out of these selections, either Tywin or Tyrion in the the books and the lore, who do you think he gives the most, uh, you know, esteem to here? Okay, I think Tywin, I think his calculating
2: methods and his cold blooded assessment of every situation is really something that uh, Michael might uh, maybe what's the word for that relate to? So that's <laughs> something Michael might relate. And also, I know that he likes that the grizzled characters in general. So Tyrion's a little bit too young for
0: Michael Stace. All right, so you, you, you're going with Tywin here, not not Tyrion. Now, think about just think about this for a second, Fabio. Uh, Tyrion is uh, you know a, a tactical mastermind, right? He's He's someone that is maybe underestimated, but can often deliver, you know, over deliver, exceeding people's expectations. You know, uh, a master of machinations, but, you know, maybe a little bit more behind the scenes in a lot of ways. You're still going to go with Tywin?
1: I'm still going to go with Tywin. I don't know, Michael, was he right? He is absolutely right, but not for the reasons you might
0: expect. All right. So your choice was Tywin Lannister. So what was the reasons behind that?
1: I actually feel that when you take the grand scope of Westeros and the setting of A Song of Ice and Fire into consideration, that Tywin embodies the best possible leader for that setting. Now, I say that in the form of: Do I agree with how he handles things? No. Uh, Is it you know malicious? Is it just you know absolutely just ruthless? Yes. But if you look at the setting all of those things can be viewed as like a direct result of this. Like, oh, let's talk about the fever dream, you know, last episode of a hypothetical TV show that may or may not exist based on the series where, you know, they suggest, oh, you know, what if everyone just kind of rules? That's not going to fly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, democracy. (laughs) That's not how the world works. uh, This world particularly. And, you know, could you paradigm shift it? Sure. That takes generations. But for the current state of Westeros, if Tywin was in charge, uh, just the right amount of people would starve. So to put that in context, I feel that Tywin being in charge, like things would be bad, especially if like you're a commoner and everything. But I feel for the greater whole of Westeros, like running, making sure the Seven Kingdoms functions, uh, he would do enough to make it just continue to function. It wouldn't be like a Golden Age or a Glory Age. I mean, I guess, except for the Lannisters. but it would still function. And let's say you had a threat that arose, I think that Tywin would be able to, you know, pragmatically rally things together to, you know, um, to kind of uh, make things work. You know, having said all that, it's funny because I think that's a lot of the same reasons why people like Stannis Baratheon, yet I just have an absolute animosity toward that character, yet I do view him and Tywin as very similar when it comes to those type of roles. They might not be likable, but they get stuff done. Just Tywin's better than, you know, Stannis. And this comes at a cost though, right? Being this amazing.
0: So this is the first six point NCU that you've revealed. And, you know, he is impressive once per game at the start of any turn. You can target any number of enemy combat units and one of them becomes panicked. One becomes vulnerable. One suffers four hits. One of those enemies suffer one panic test one of those enemies loses all abilities until the end of the round. The same combat unit may be targeted by multiple effects. So you could spread this out over, say, a Free Folk horde, or you could just, like, try and demolish a single unit here. Really powerful. Six-point NCUs, though. So we're we're entering into, like, kind of new, new territory here. Is this going to be a more common thing? Is, is six points on the upper limits? Does it go higher than six points? I mean you got to walk us through this. This is, a, this is pretty uh, crazy.
1: I'll let Fabio cover a lot of this, but there is one thing I wanted to mention here is that one of the, my dream things from the very start of this project when we were just initially designing things for the game was that I wanted the Lannister player to be able to go, I'm going to activate the Reigns of Castamere. And I wanted the exact response from their opponent to be, oh, son of a... That was my that was the response that I wanted to see happen. Like that actually instilled a sense of dread. Like Tywin Lannister is there, and I know at some point things are going to be really bad for me. So when it came to like you know designing the different NCUs here, you know there's there's a power level here of you know what you're going to see, and as far as the variety goes, you know we've shown a lot of four point ones, we've shown a couple of five point ones, and surprise surprise, here's the six point one, and he is not the only one. Uh, but You know, this was one of those cases where we could have reevaluated his power level. But as you see here, it's actually functionally similar to what he did before. A little boosted from there. So, you know, just basically, you know, Tywin goes to 11. But I'll let Fabio continue on here. Goes to 11.
2: Well, um, I'll say like you asked about other point ranges and how many six point NCUs there will be and so on. And I'd say that if we spoiled it all, we'd miss some of the fun ourselves. We want to see how people react. So I'll keep that one a little closer of like the, the range of how NCUs are going to be point costed. And yeah, for now. <laughs> but let's say this that um, if Tywin had one of these abilities slightly. Uh, tuned down which is the last one so one of those enemies if they would lose all abilities until the end of the turn or if they would lose one ability until the end of the round or something like that maybe Tywin would be five points but since he has this insane ability to actually damage someone a lot because Mm -hmm. uh, the panic token matches really well with the panic test and the vulnerable matches really well with the hits the fact that the uh, an enemy also loses abilities until the end of the round. An entire round is a lot, especially since we tweaked down control elements of everyone, even the Lannisters in a way or another, although we went more laterally with them. This is, I think, the strongest point of Tywin, right? It's shutting something down. This is rare and it's once per game and it really creates that, oh my God, I can't believe it moments, right? Where y- you see him in play and you need to start thinking when will my opponent do that and the sheer intimidation factor of him being in the game really changes how uh people uh perform on the battlefield so his bluff value is really strong as well and that warrants six points you know it's not cheap but he has his intrinsic value as an ncu and then one of the most amazing abilities in the game so He's worth a unit of Halberdiers, basically, if if you want to put it like that.
0: Yeah, I always still do things. And I feel like it's going to take me a long time to break this habit. But I I count everything and I cost it by uh, 1.6 Free Folk Raiders. So he's he's uh, 24 Raiders. That's equal to. <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. And then, you know, we talked a lot about Tywin as your top pick here. But then Tyrion Lannister is the runner up here. And it's really interesting to see him now in this context of the 2021 update in that he affects the tactics hand side which changed in the 2021 rules so now you're actually increasing your your overall hand size and starting with more cards once per game when an enemy plays a tactics card before resolving that card you may search your tactics deck or discard pile for one counterplot card and play it and then you get to shuffle your Tactus deck. So, I mean, that's incredibly handy as well. And he's coming in at five points. Michael, can you maybe speak to a little bit why this character would be in your, your second favorite pick, but also uh, about his uh, ability here?
1: Well, Tyrion represents, you know, that kind of, I guess, positive change that you would want to see. Like, he would be a good leader. Um, well, I say that. I don't know how much that's actually true because his effectiveness would be generally limited by the viewpoints of those around him. Mm -hmm. If he had absolute 100 percent total control and power, then that would be different. But that's never going to be the case in the Westerosi like government or anything like that. And that's where I feel like his trapping would kind of fall into play. I still think he's one of the more likable characters in the series, but. That's also, you know, just that's that's what he's there for. As far as his ability goes, he had this previous ability of increasing your tactics hand size, but that received kind of like a shadow buff. Yeah. um, In the form of just the tactics hand limitation, because now you're you have a five card limit. Now he's actually increasing this upwards of a six and giving you additional tactics cards to start with. So in addition to that, though, he is just a walking counterplot, which is one of the most annoying and, you know, best (laughs) Lannister cards. And now you have the ability to, for your five-point investment here, not only have an additional tactics hand, but to have a pocket counterplot when you need it. Yeah, when an opponent
0: plays a tactics card, is a great time to have a trigger for that card.
1: (laughs) Right, and then you combine this with, like, the rest of the household. You know, you have just this whole complete package of just... I mean, think about if you own any of these guys here, what elements of the game do you want to shut down? And that's what basically these NCUs are asking you. And then you have Joffrey off to the side here, who's just actually making it easier to work with all these. But he's just such a little shit. And I can say that because it's a George Martin quote. That's not us. So, you know, not us <laughs> swearing. He's even helping Tyrion because he's helping Counterplot because you can't deny the, the power of the throne. Tyrion might not like him in any way, but he is still there, he's still playing a part. Cersei is gaining a bonus from Joffrey as well. Tywin is the one that is just kind of acting independently of all these guys, but that's because that's what he does. He's just doing his own thing. But so when it comes back to Tyrion here, you know, what element of control do you want? Do you want to invest the points to have that walking counterplot? Do you want to take Cersei to have these you know, uh, affecting enemy troops and, you know, gaining those type of benefits. Do you want have Joffrey to just increase your overall damage, but at a cost and also giving the utility of controlling the crown constantly. And that's actually something I think that we should devote some time to talking to is actually the crown zone specifically and how it interacts with Lannisters. Cause I know this was one of the, uh, when we were going back and forth to design development, that one of the big topics that Fabio and myself, uh, went a lot on. And I know Fabio has some, uh, key things to talk about on this
0: yeah so what do you see as the value of the tactics uh, of the crown's tactic zone then fabio so um basically
2: the the crown tactic zone is viewed generally as the weakest zone so um we we feel that uh, factions that work off the ta- the crown zone um, need to have that zone enhanced for them so it's more attractive Because otherwise, you might not be willing to take the crown zone, even though it is boosting your cards and your effects, just because that free attack might be worth it more. What we decided to do in general is that the kicker effects and the boosted effects by controlling the crown zone in most Lannister cards are more significant than kicker effects in other factions or that would require other zones. On top of that, I'd like to say that what's interesting about the Lannister NCUs is that usually units synergize amongst themselves and NCUs interact with the units. I'd, I'd say that the Lannisters have this very interesting situation where the NCUs synergize and interact with themselves really well. So if you decide to pick uh, Cersei and Tyrion, you, you can actually tutor half of your basic deck uh, half of the cards yeah. available in your basic deck, so you know exactly what you can play and when you can play it. That gives you a lot of tactics, hand control, and card advantage. Tyrion.
0: Well, I think you know you really capture the, the feel of the the Lannister theme here still, and it's remarkable like how, like you mentioned earlier, how you know a lot of this has stayed the same, right? And I think in a lot of ways, the Lannisters come across as just really getting polished up here. For a lot of people that jumped into the game early, you know, these were Starks, and Lannisters; those were the starter sets, and uh, you know, the, the Halberdiers are like renowned for being a unit that when people saw, they were like, oh man, I want to get into this game. And so people have had these units, they've gotten comfortable with this faction. And so to see it like kind of growing and improving in some way, but not maybe, you know, nothing really to be scared about really getting changed is both really exciting and, you know, reassuring.
2: Yeah, I'd say Lannisters are a faction that you buy for the Halberdiers and you stay for Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are there any, um, so, you know, quick question about the Faction Pack here. So, uh, Faction Pack's coming out with updated cards. Will that include things that were Kickstarter exclusives, or will that be, uh, is that something else? Things like the Mountain That Rides.
1: Are those are included in the Faction Packs, yes. That's fantastic. Everything released up until the point of the Faction Pack, so everything Q2 uh, 2021, we 2021 now, uh, everything up until that point is included in there. So, we're releasing at the same time. or. From faction packs is not included, but everything that is, comes out before it is
0: there. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking us through the visions in the flames for House Lannister. We're excited to talk about Night's Watch next week. Be sure to leave examples of your painted Lannister miniatures in the comments below on our Facebook page. In the meantime, we hope you get your miniatures on the table.